humans. Hello, 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 humans. Good Monday morning to you in November. How are you all? This is me, Ellie Krug, your favorite idealist. Um, actually, I'm a practical idealist. I'm here to talk with you about idealism, about people who are trying to change the world as I'm trying to change it. And I know many of you listening right now, you're trying to do your part to change the world as well. The goal here is about inspiration. And at the end of the show, I'm going to talk to you about how, not only how I inspired, it sounds like a listener, but how a listener actually has inspired me. So stay tuned for that. We have a great show here. We're going to be speaking with uh, Daryl Davis, who is, as you may recall, if you've been a regular listener, I talked about in early October. Um, he's a man who talks to the Ku Klux Klan. He happens to be a black man that does that. That makes it very interesting. We'll be talking with him in a, in a little bit. Um, and you know that this show uh, is taped a couple of weeks in advance, unfortunately. I mean, every once in a while I do a live show, but for the most part we are taped. And so that means I don't know how the mid midterm elections um, will have turned out by the time you listen to this. And so I don't know the mood of the country. Um, but what uh, taping also means is that um, just four days ago, as I'm speaking right now, four days before this, there was the horrific shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, a shooting that took 11 lives. And I don't, we don't need to get into the genesis for that shooting. I think we all have a good idea of that. Um, and of course, because in this age, I have no idea by the time you hear my voice whether that shooting, the Tree of Life, uh, synagogue shooting has been overshadowed by some other mass shooting. I don't know that. Um, but let me just speak about this shooting, the Tree of Life. As I took in the horror and I heard about the 11 victims, there was one of them who stood out um, for me above, above all the others. And please understand that I value all of those who were taken. Um, but you may recall uh, hearing that as people were running away from the shooter, as people had, had barricaded themselves, had found places of safety in the synagogue, there was one of those people who had been in a safe position who moved from that position of safety and ran towards the gunfire. Actually, he was running towards other victims to see if he could help them. And that man uh, was a doctor. His name was Jerry Rabinowitz. He was a family physician. He was 66 years old. And he, too, was murdered um, at the Tree of Life. The fact that he left, that Dr. Rabinowitz left a position of safety to go help the wounded certainly demonstrates his idealism and his compassion for others. Absolutely. But there was something else in the backstory about Dr. Rabinowitz that told me he had long been an idealist. I mean, maybe the fact that you're a doctor gets you into that category, but there was something else about Dr. Rabinowitz's background. A gay man who knew Dr. Rabinowitz, who, treated, who was treated by Dr. Rabinowitz in the 1980s, talked about how he was, how Dr. Rabinowitz was one of the few doctors in Pittsburgh willing to treat aid patients in the 1980s. That man, um, as quoted by NBC News, um, his name is Michael Kerr, and he said, quote, How I wish I had reached out last year and told him I was making it, finally, and sent him a picture as proof, Michael Kerr told the NBC News. You see, I went through many, many dark times. Kerr goes on to tell NBC News that, Dr. Re that he got to know Dr. Rabinowitz in the, quote, old days, unquote, when for those with HIV... Before there was an effective treatment for poorly, for the poorly understood disease that devastated a generation. In those old days, how it was different for gay men and people with HIV. As as Kerr said, quote, he was the one to go to, referring to unquote, referring to Dr. Rabinowitz. Um, he said. Dr. Rabinowitz was, quote, known in the community for keeping us alive the longest. He often held our hands without rubber gloves and always, always hugged us as we left 
his office. Period. Unquote. Now, you know, that may not sound significant in the year 2018, but to research uh, this, um, er, this show, I went back to uh, the New York Times to 1987. We are now, what is that, 30 years ago, just 30 years ago. And there was an op-ed in the New York Times titled, When Doctors Refuse to Treat AIDS. So this is New York Times, New York Times. And the, and the piece in August, on August 3rd, 1987, the New York Times begins with this, quote, Fear of AIDS has produced its most painful symptom yet, colon, doctors and dentists who refuse to treat patients they believe to be infected with the AIDS virus, period. The editorial goes on and quotes um, a doctor, quote, I've got to be selfish, unquote, says the chief heart surgeon in a Milwaukee hospital. I've got to think about myself. I've got to think about my family. That responsibility is greater than to the patient, unquote. New York Times goes on to disagree with that in August of 1987 to say, no, doctors actually need to transcend what responsibilities they feel towards anyone except for their patients. And goes on to chastise, essentially, the medical and dental communities for failing to step up to protect AIDS patients and HIV patients. I lived through that time. I was a closeted um, at that point, probably a closeted bisexual man would be the labels that would be attached to me. Um, because of the fear of HIV, I was not sexually active with other men. However, um, I knew people that were. And I know that people who have HIV today, I know many people who have HIV today, and they're alive because of the advance of technology with drugs, but they're also alive because there were doctors who were willing to step in and willing to treat them. And Dr. Jerry Rabinowitz turns out to be one of those people. And when I read that about him as they were speaking about Dr. Rabinowitz and about his heroism on that day at the um, Tree of Life Synagogue, I, um, I just could not help but think that this man has been, he's been an idealist all his life. He has been acting with compassion for others. And he was doing that at a time when the people he was treating were considered pariahs in our society. Now, there's a lot of um, irony here because, of course, the synagogue the synagogue shooting was really as the result of somebody else believing that Jewish people were our pariahs, okay? And here we had somebody considered by society, some in society, a pariah treating other pariahs in the 1980s. And, and obviously, um, with such an incredibly good heart. As uh, others talked about Dr. Rabinowitz, um, uh, a, um, another fa uh, colleague, a Dr. Ken Chisleka, Chisleska, excuse me, who went to college and medical school um, with Dr. Rabinowitz, said he was one of the finest people I've ever met. He went on to say that Dr. Rabinowitz had, quote, a moral compass stronger than anyone I have ever known, period, unquote. That's what idealists do. I mean, we do have... We do have strong moral compasses. Please, I'm not equating myself with Dr. Rabinowitz in any way. A man who had great bravery in the 80s when society was turning its back on a whole, a whole group of humans. Or a man who was willing to leave a position of safety, who knew that he would stay alive, to go into risk danger for others. I, that unbelievable degrees of idealism and bravery and courageousness. But that is, in the end, what idealists do. They, they act with a moral compass. They act in ways that drives them, that controls them in many ways, and makes them go and do things that other people would not do. And, um, 
And for that, I'm just, you know, we, we, we lost 11 souls on Saturday, but we lost, of those souls, a very, very important idealist. And somebody who could, apparently, just through example, inspire others. I'm sad about all of this, of course. I'm sad that somebody would go in with a gun and decide that just because a group of people practice a particular religion, that that makes them less. And I'm sad that we live in a society right now where we do group and label people and others feel that they have the right to go and take their lives. The lives of those who are considered less. Dr. Rabinowitz reminded us and taught us that no one is less, that we are all equal, that we all deserve the right to live and be who we are. When we come back from our break, I'm going to talk with Daryl Davis, someone I've highlighted on this show before. He's a black man who talks to the Ku Klux Klan and befriends Ku Klux Klan members. Can you believe that? Talk about inspiration. Here you are in LE 2.0 Radio, where we talk about idealism and what it means to try and change the world. If you like what you hear, email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. Visit my, news, visit my website at lejkrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. I would love to hear from you. Thanks so very much. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. You're struggling with your mortgage. You think about it all the time. What are we going to do if we lose the house? It's time to stop thinking and start dialing. Call 1-888-995-HOPE for a free government program that offers expert one-on-one advice about your mortgage options. We've helped over a million homeowners and we want to help you. Call 1-888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. November is Govember at Rudy Luther Toyota. With the end of 2018, it's time to get yourself an amazing gift. A new vehicle from Rudy Luther. Through November, get a $3,000 rebate on the Toyota Tundra pickup or $3,500 on my personal favorite, the family-friendly Sienna. Plus, check out that great selection of 2018 Tacoma pickups in stock. And the best part of Rudy Luther is the long-term relationship you'll have with their wonderful people. November is Govember at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now.
And we are back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Hello again. Um, well, I'll tell you, um, I, uh, Dr. Rabinowitz, um, very inspirational, and we've lost him. Um, but now I'm here to talk with Daryl Davis, also inspirational, who we have not lost. Daryl, are you on the line there? I'm on the line. Thank you so much for having me. Ellie. Oh, Daryl, we're just thrilled to have you on LE 2.0 Radio. Now, Daryl, I told you um, before we started that I had highlighted you and your work on my show in early October. And uh, then since then, my producer said, why don't we see if we can get Daryl on the line and talk with him? And there we have you. So, Daryl, thanks for being on LE 2.0 Radio. My pleasure. So just to give our uh, listeners a reminder about you, I mean, you are, by training and trade, a, a musician, correct? And you've That is correct, yes, indeed. You play the piano and some other instruments, and you have a background of playing with some really big names like Jerry Lee Lewis and B.B. King, even Bill Clinton, you know, not a big name in music, but a big name otherwise, <laughs> right? That's correct. So Mostly uh, uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry, excuse me. Okay, and Chuck Berry, all right, so... So, um, so Daryl, I mean, you got on my radar because I did see um, uh, you. You were the subject of a show on CNN, um, and then um, I know I've read about you. Your music is important, but really, what you have been doing is you've been doing something extraordinary. You are you're a black man. You're an African American man. You're about my age. You're uh, what about sixty years old, right? Precisely sixty years old. Indeed. Okay. All right. And um, and and you are finding yourself um, going and speaking with Ku Klux Klan members. Do I have that right? That is right. Okay. So, Daryl, first question: How did this happen? And uh, why are you? And then, second question: Why are you doing it? Okay. Well, uh, let me ask this, answer the second question first. Um, you know, I figured that our society is in need of help, and our society can only become one of two things. It can become either what we let it become or what we make it. And I choose the latter. So how that started is, uh, when I was a child, I had a racist incident where I was marching in a uh, Cub Scout parade, and I had uh, obstacles, you know, uh, rather objects thrown at me, bottles, soda pop cans, rocks, by some spectators. And I was 10 years old. I was the only black guy in the parade. Okay. And my 10-year-old head could not get around the idea that someone who never laid eyes on me, who had never spoken to me, who knew nothing about me, would want to hurt me for no other reason than the color of my skin. I just right. could not get that. Yep. And I had formed a question in my mind at that age, uh, which was, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? And for the next 50 years, I've been seeking the answer to that question. I have books, I have tons of books, on black supremacy, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, uh, the Nazis in Germany, the neo-Nazis over here, the Ku Klux Klan, etc. And none of my books answered that question. <laughs> so I figured, well, you know what? Who better to go to than someone who would join an organization that has well over a 100-year history of hating people who do not look like them and who do not believe as they believe? So I began seeking out um, you know, white supremacists, and I started with the Ku Klux Klan. Okay, and um, and 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 you that all happened through your music initially, right? I mean, you were playing in a in a bar in um, in in Maryland, playing in a country. That is correct. I was playing um, in a in a country band. Uh, and, you know, country music had made a resurgence, and there had been a movie out called Urban Cowboy. Oh yeah, John Travolta, oh, yeah. Mechanical Bull, and all that line dancing. So a lot of uh, bars and clubs, you know, had gone from top forty to country. And I joined a country band. I liked country music. It was very easy to play, three chords, like just like the blues. In fact, blues and country are kissing cousins. And um, I was the only black guy in the band, and consequently, usually, the only black guy in most places where we played. So we were playing in this one bar called the Silver Dollar Lounge, which was an all-white bar. <clears throat> and by all-white, I don't mean that, uh, that blacks could not go in at that particular time, but uh, blacks chose not to go in. Right, and this and was, was in uh, this was in uh, this was in Frederick, and, Frederick, uh, Maryland. After I'd gotten done playing one set with the band, we're taking a break. A gentleman approached me and proclaimed that you know this was the first time he'd ever heard a black man play piano like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. 
And I was not offended, but I was kind of surprised that he did not know the origin, the black origin of Jerry Lee's uh, style. You know, and I told him, you know, well, I got that style from the same place Jerry Lee did, you know, black blues and boogie-woogie piano players. And he said, no, no, Jerry Lee had invented that. He'd never heard a black person other than me play like that. And I assured him, you know, I know Jerry Lee Lewis, who's a good friend of mine. He's told me himself where he learned how to play. And the guy didn't buy that I knew Jerry Lee. He didn't buy that Jerry Lee learned it from black people. But he was fascinated and wanted to uh, to buy me a drink. I don't drink alcohol, but I went back to his table and had a cranberry juice. And then he, you know, clinked my glass and cheered me. And then he says, you know, this is the first time I ever sat down and had a drink with a black man. <laughs> and now I was curious, like, you know, how can this be? You know, you know, where has he been? And uh, I know there are black people up there in that area. I, you know, I'd seen them. You were in, uh, and, you were uh, in, you were in Maryland. I, I, I said, how is this? Okay. And um, he didn't answer me at first. And I kept prodding him. And then he finally said, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. And you were, this bar was in Maryland. Is that right? That is correct. In Frederick, Maryland. Yep. So not one would ordinarily think of the Deep South. And, uh, okay. So he tells you he's a member of the Klan. And then, and then from there, you befriend this gentleman. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I mean, he was not at all what I expected of a Klansman. Now, that being said, of course, I, I, I have met plenty, plenty of the stereotype. Okay. You know, but uh, but I've also met some who were very, very nice people with just a twisted ideology. But the fact that he approached me and wanted me to come to his table and sit down and have a conversation and a beverage was not something, you know, that you would expect a Klansman to do. In fact, he'd come up to me and put his arm around my shoulder you know, when he made that, uh, that statement about Jerry Lee Lewis. And so I, at first I thought he was, he was joking me. You know, he was just play, you know, playing me Right. Uh, when he said he was a Klansman. And um, so I'm at his table, you know, talking to him. And, in fact, when he, uh, when he, made, you know, when he made the statement, um, I started laughing because I didn't believe him. And he went inside his pocket and produced his wallet from which he uh, extracted his, his Klan membership card and handed it to me as proof. And that's when I stopped laughing. Okay. And I realized, oh my God, you know, this, this is this is real. Uh, then I was kind of questioning myself, you know, why, why am I sitting here? But, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't seem to pose any threat to me. And it didn't occur to me right then and there. But, you know, much time later, I thought, you know, you know what? The answer fell into my lap. The answer to my question that's been plaguing me since I was 10 years old. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? Why not go back to that guy and get him to um, to, to set you up with uh, with the leader of the Klan, and you can ask him that question? Because, you know, who better to ask than someone who would join that kind of an organization? So, Daryl, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, I want to hear more about your story. But I want to also talk about idealism, okay? What makes you continue to do this work? Um, because Absolutely. that's really something you and I have in common. Listeners, we've been speaking with Daryl Davis, um, a, a, a musician, but also an idealist who is trying to cross all kinds of lines. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliecrude.com. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, continue our conversation with Daryl Davis. Hang on. It's very interesting, of course. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Finding the best foods the Twin Cities has to offer is easy with eatlocalminnesota.com. 
Offering the top local and independently owned restaurants, EatLocalMinnesota.com has everything from burger joints to cocktails and fine dining. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club invites you to check out their beautiful facilities for your next special occasion. Book your wedding reception, retirement party, business dinner, or other special event with confidence, knowing their expert staff and award-winning chef will make it a big hit with your guests. Call today to get a quote, 763-571-9020. Lowry Hill Meats, located at 1934 Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis, are friends with their farmers. Relying on regionally sourced, clean, quality meats, they take pride in their aged beef, on pork, house-made sausages, and air-dried poultry. Their house-made sandwiches should not be missed. Find them online at LowryHillMeats.com. I'm John Peterson of Ferndale Market, and I'm the third generation to grow turkeys on our family farm in Cannon Falls. We've grown them the same way since 1939, free-range and without antibiotics. We're proud of the way our turkey tastes naturally, so we don't add a thing. Just 100% pure turkey. Reserve your free-range Thanksgiving turkey today for pickup at our store right on the farm in scenic Cannon Falls or at one of our Metro retail partners. Visit us at FerndaleMarket.com for more information or to reserve your turkey today. Rending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today, a chance of flurries before noon with a high of 22. And tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 8. Tuesday will be sunny with a high near 24. Wednesday's warming back up with sunny skies and a high of 43 and a low around 33. Don't miss the Healthy Life Expo this Saturday and Sunday at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Up to 200 vendors, four speaker stages, giveaways, and more. The Healthy Life Expo this Saturday and Sunday at the Minneapolis Convention Center. See it all at ExpoGuys.com. That's ExpoGuys.com. We are back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. I've been interviewing Daryl Davis, um, idealist, uh, musician, brave soul. Um, uh, who, Daryl, it's all right. If I, I hope that I say that you're a black man who talks to the Ku Klux Klan as well as other white supremacists. That would be a good characterization, yes? Yes, indeed. Okay, and Daryl, so before we broke, you had talked about how you had your first... You know, interaction with somebody from the clan, and that that intrigued you, and and triggered for you the idea that you would start speaking to other clan members and white supremacists, right? Yes. All right. So you have been, and 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 because we don't have a, a full length uh, show here, let me let's just see if we can do a little summarizing. That that first um, conversation you had in in Maryland what happened in what year was that in the early in the mid nineteen eighties? That was uh, nineteen eighty three. Okay, so it's now twenty eighteen. So we are you know uh, whatever that is uh, uh, thirty five years since then. You have talked in that time to what several hundred white supremacists and Ku Klux Klan members. Okay. And, and you've had some incredible experiences where some of these people have befriended you. Not, not just simply, hey, Daryl's my friend, but some of these people have incorporated you into their lives. Do I have that right? Yes, they have. Uh, some have incorporated me into their lives, even as active clan members, clansmen and clanswomen, as well as uh, have left that ideology and given it up turned over their robes and hoods to me and various other uh, paraphernalia, you know, associated with the organization. Some even come out with me on tour, on lecture tours, and um, and speak out against it. How many people have turned in their robes to you, Daryl? I have probably, I'd say, between 45 and 47 robes, but I have a lot more, you know, uh, objects. But I would say, as far as leaving the organization for which I was the impetus, uh, impetus just over 200. Okay, so, 
And 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 Daryl, so um, what you may not know about me is that in addition to running a radio, having a radio show, um, I'm also a speaker on human inclusivity. I actually go across the country like you, talking about um, human inclusivity, how we can all be better to each other. And, but one of the things I talk about, and this is what I wanted to um, make sure that you and I discussed, is the power of human familiarity. Because when you ask the question, why do you hate me when you don't even know me, that's really about the barrier that we have between each other because we're not familiar with each other. But once we become, start to become familiar, things break down. I would love to hear your ideas about that. Do you agree that familiarity is the pathway through all of the... Oh, absolutely. Through all the division, no, you know, no all of the crap. About it. So talk more about that, if you would. What, you know... What 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 are the barriers? Well, you to know, if you if you spend five minutes with your perceived worst enemy, you will find something you have in common. Right. If you spend ten minutes, you'll find even more. And if you just take the commonalities, not the things you have in contrast, but just the commonalities, and you nurture those commonalities, you are then forging a relationship. If you continue to nurture the relationship you are then forging a friendship. And as that friendship grows, the things that you have in contrast, especially the trivial things, begin to matter less and less. Things like skin color, right. or whether you, whether you go to a, uh, a church, a temple, a mosque, or a synagogue. Right. Things like that begin to matter less and less. Now, of course, you, know, you will have certain things you may uh, feel strongly about, you know, that you may have your, your disagreements on, but at least as a friend, you, you respectfully disagree. You know, you might be pro-choice, he might be abortion, you know, or, or non-abortion or whatever. Right. Uh, things like that. Or you believe in global warming and she doesn't. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but at least you're friends and you're able to have civil discussions around it. But, but trivial things like, as I said, skin color and, um, and what religious institution you attend you know, no longer make a difference. So, Daryl, what do you think, as you've been doing your work, what is keeping us from having those conversations? Is it just plain well, old, tell you plain old uh, human fear? Is uh, that I, I put it this way. Ignorance breeds fear. Yep. We fear the unknown. We don't know each other. Uh, if we don't keep that fear in check, that fear will escalate to hatred. Uh, we hate those things that frighten us. If we don't keep the hatred in check, that uh, leads to destruction. And we saw that whole chain unfold to completion uh, last year in the summer of 2017 on uh, August 12th, to be precise, down in Charlottesville, Maryland. I mean, sorry, Charlottesville, Virginia, right. where there was a lot of ignorance, a yep. lot of fear, yep. a lot of hatred, which culminated in destruction when a white supremacist drove his car through a crowd of protesters. Uh, attempting to murder as many as he could. He succeeded in uh, injuring 20 people and murdering one girl named Heather Heyer. So, so in, in how I explain it is ignorance breeds fear, fear breeds hatred, hatred breeds destruction. Martin Luther King put it another way. Uh, Martin Luther King said that, um, that, man, uh, that men hate each other uh, because they fear each other. And they fear each other because they don't know each other, and they don't know each other because they're separated from each other. So, you know, when we when we sit down with one another and stop separating ourselves and get to know one another, then you know the hate tends to to uh, to dissipate. So, Daryl, are you working at all with Better Angels um, that are trying? You know what? I was just uh, contacted by them. I had lunch with with the uh, local or regional. Um, uh, leader of that group hold here on. in this uh, in this area. Hold on, a, name hold on, hold on a second. Merlin. Hold on just a second. We need to explain to the listeners that Better Angels is an organization trying to hit, heal, bridge the um, political divisions that are going on in the country right now. So they've reached out to you to see whether you, um, the you can, you know, you're willing to collaborate with them, form a collaboration. Yes, they have, and I'm more than happy to do so. Okay, well, that's great. I mean, as you're talking, I, I thought of Better Angels uh, right away. But, Daryl, so, you know, I'm transgender, okay? That's a, a barrier for me with many people that... No, you know, no, it's, it's not a barrier for you, Ellie. It's a barrier for other people, and they have to overcome it. No, well, that's what I meant. I, thank you, though. Thanks for that clarification. You know, and but 
you know, and I have people, some people, when I do my training, I have people who are, who are telling me that they're, you know, they didn't want to come to the training because I'm transgender or, you know, they didn't know what to expect and they were fearful. But once they've gone through the training, they understand I'm just part trying to survive the human condition just like them. You know, they come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I was here. I'm so happy I went through this with you. Daryl, aren't you finding the same thing that people are like so fearful, but once once we do the thing, we just... We let everybody know. I mean, Daryl, you're trying to survive the human condition just like I am. I mean, we're we're all just trying to make our way, you know. And right. and and you're doing it in a very um, public and visible way. And and I just I want you to know before. I mean, we've got a couple of minutes left still, but before we go, I I want to make sure you know that I really admire you, and that I really respect the work that you're doing. You inspire me to go further. You know, you, I mean, you had been taking, I mean, you're taking risks. You've got, you have had people who have assaulted you. You know, you have had knives and, and, and guns pointed at you. You know, you, and, but you, yet you continue to do this work. And so that leads me to this question. What is it inside you that keeps you going? What is that worm or that, that thing pushing you every day? Because I know you are, you are you are an idealist. You are thinking about this. Probably, I would guess, almost every minute of every day that you're alive. Indeed, uh, you know my my parents. You know, went through a lot more than I did. You know, they came up in a generation where uh, they experienced having to ride in the back of the bus, drink from separate water fountains, separate bathrooms, etc. And they fought against that Jim Crow uh, in, in in order that you know a future generation, such as myself, when I came along, would not have to go through that. So is it not only fair for me to um, to also try to you know make the world a little better for people, for people who come after me? Right. So I'm just you know doing my share. Well, you know, um, so we've been doing this show for about a year, and every time I have an idealist on, I ask, "Why are you like you are?" And I've got to tell you, Daryl, 95% of the time, it always comes back to a parent or to a role model, somebody in their lives who modeled you know, being uh, good to other people, being compassionate to other people. And there you are, you're, you're uh, fitting that pattern as well. And, and, and so, Daryl, how, how do we get past these barriers, you know, where people are afraid to talk to each other? We take a walk across the cafeteria. <laughs> uh, what I mean by that is, you know, we work together in offices, we go to school together, but come lunchtime when we go down to the cafeteria, Blacks sit with blacks, Hispanics with Hispanics, etc. Um, are they racist? No, not necessarily. But, ten, but people tend to self-segregate because they, they feel more comfortable being around people who look like them, sure. who may share the same culture or speak the same language. But, you know, if we just walk across the cafeteria I love it. and sit at somebody else's table, we can learn a lot and we can teach a lot because we have a lot to give and we have a lot to receive. And that's the best way to do it. You know, I'm, I, you know, you mentioned I'm, I'm a musician. Yes, indeed, I am. I'm a band leader, and my job on stage is to bring harmony between all the voices on stage, whether they're vocal voices or instrumental voices—piano, saxophone, bass, drums, guitar, etc.—to bring harmony. The only time I want a dissonance is when I intentionally inflict it into the music for for effect. So, as my job on stage is to bring harmony between between all my voices on stage. I carry that same concept when I step off the stage. I want to bring harmony among society. Okay, well, I mean, you obviously are doing that. And before we go, we have just about a minute. The power of compassion, Daryl. I mean, are you, are you finding that people, as I'm finding, that people want to be compassionate? I mean, I am finding that that's a core value of many humans, that compassion is part of their identity. And, you know, we don't talk about that nearly enough. We don't use that word compassion nearly enough. And, and, and I wish we did, because then we would all understand what it takes to walk across the cafeteria. Right. I, I do agree with you that most people, you know, do want compassion and are compassionate people. Uh, they just need, need to spread it around. Now, of course, there, there are those who've never experienced compassion, and therefore they act out in that, in that manner. And there will be those who will never change, unfortunately. They will go to their grave being uncompassionate or incompassionate. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about that. But there are plenty out there 
who need it shown to them, and 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 that they can pass it on to others who may not share their same uh, pigmentation or religious belief or what have you. And that's up to us. You know, we can be leaders in that field. Well, and I'm it's tr- like you know, who's going to be first on the dance floor? Let, <laughs> you know, let it be us. There we are, back to the music, Daryl. I mean, all these metaphors are just wonderful, you know. And and Daryl, but the thing is. You know, um, this is, I, are you finding that this is lonely work? Because that is what I'm finding, that it's solitary uh, yes. work. It, it, is, it is lonely work because people will talk, will, will talk the talk, but they won't actually get out there and walk the walk. Or, or they will find these groups, uh, you know, which is fine, you know, of people who agree with them. But you say, well, you know, that way they're just preaching to the choir. They're, they're living in an echo chamber. And you say, hey, look, let's invite somebody over to our group to address us who does not agree with us. Oh, no, 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 we can't have that person over here. You know, he hates us or whatever. Well, that's the exact person that you want over there because you want to educate and inform that person and and also listen to that person to find out what it is they fear. You can't change anything unless you know how to address them and learn learn what their fears are or what what uh, stupid myths, you know, they may have about the color of your skin or your gender or what have you. So those are the people that you need, not not your choir. You know, they, they already believe in what you're saying. Daryl, it's been really wonderful to talk with you. I um, I wish we had more time, but but please know that I believe in the work that you're doing. I am following you. We are talking about you here. And um, just know that um, I admire you. You inspire me to continue to do my work. And just continue to do what you do, please, my friend. And be safe as you do it. But, but by all means, I know that you have to do it. And I applaud you for it. Thank you Absolutely, so much. Absolutely, and likewise. Thank you so much. You call anytime. Okay, thanks, Daryl. Thanks so very much. We've been speaking with Daryl Davis. Um, I think we could call him a super idealist who is walking the walk in a big way. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. When we come back from our break, I'll do the last segment. Um, my C block. Thanks so very much, listeners. Bye. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. In the process of planning your next event, consider D'Amico Catering. Their team brings extensive experience and knowledge to the table to ensure that your event runs smoothly. With over 20 years of event planning and culinary experience, D'Amico has established their reputation as the Twin Cities' premier caterer. They've been trusted to carry out numerous weddings, corporate functions, and nonprofit fundraisers. D'Amico has the right staff to ensure your event is perfectly executed every time. More at D'AmicoCatering.com. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. There are lots of ways to stay comfortable in a Minnesota winter. Hot cocoa, warm socks, and Standard's Winter Comfort Sale, where you can save up to $2,090 on a brand new 96% energy-efficient furnace. There's also great deals on a variety of other furnaces and boilers. Don't wait. Unlike winter, these deals end November 30th. Learn more about Standard's Winter Comfort Sale at standardheatingdeals.com radio. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, comfort you deserve. 
Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Back on LA 2.0 Radio on 9, AM 950. Oh, Daryl Davis, you know, um, very. I, I hope you're inspired. I certainly am by speaking with him, and um, and 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 I just, I mean, everything that he says is the work that I'm doing about the power of human familiarity. So I know I'm on right track. That's really great to know, and and it's not rocket science. It really isn't. Walking across the cafeteria. Uh-huh. So we're now, um, on that note, we're now into my C block where I talk about my work as a practical idealist and about how I'm trying to impact the world and sometimes how the world is impacting me. And that's what this story is really about, about the how the world is impacting me. So several weeks ago, um, I trained Hennepin County employees on human inclusivity. It was a really nice group of people. We had about 30, 35 people in the audience. One of the people in the audience, a man named Joe, I've actually mentioned his name on the show before, um, was kind enough uh, to come up to me afterwards and talk to me, tell me that he was a listener on AM 950. And he bought my book. My book is uh, Getting to Well in a Memoir about Love, Honesty, and Gender Change. I, you know, it's available on Kindle, Amazon, and Nook, so people can buy it on the electronic platform, but I often have books with me when I speak because sometimes people want an inscribed copy of the book. So he bought my book, um, and, um, you know, I never, I really didn't think anything more of it other than he was a nice man. And, you know, you heard me in the in the segment right before this where I talked to Daryl about about the work that I do, the work of my idealism, certainly the work of his idealism, and, and usually the work of most idealists, is that it is very lonely work, that it's very solitary work. I mean, in October, I probably spoke to 2,000 people live, or I stood in front of them. But, and, that, and while that is quite wonderful, um, I, I did it from a platform of being alone. I mean, I have no one in the background. I'm an army of one. Please, I'm not looking for your sympathy. Please understand that. Um, I'm good with it all, but I'm an army of one. I don't have anyone in the background pushing me on. No one in the background on a day-to-day basis saying, come on, I believe in you. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I know you're going to go and travel to the, the, uh, the East Coast on Monday and the West Coast on Friday. You know, I have no one saying you'll get through this, even though I know I will. And I'm good. And again, I'm not looking for anyone's sympathy. But when audience members, when I hear from audience members, when I do my training or on the radio, when they react, um, their words nourish me. They do. They, they give me a reserve that I can call on at times when the loneliness gets difficult. So as I said, um, on this instance I'm recounting for you, Joe bought my book, um, and I thought that that would be the end of it. Then a couple of weeks later, which more recently, like this week as I'm taping the show, Joe emailed me and asked if he could buy another inscribed book for a couple of friends who were struggling um, to survive the human condition. They had stuff going on in their life, and he thought that my book, which even though it's a memoir about my story, it really is about facing things in our lives and facing demons and trying to make our way through life and survive the human condition. So he said, Joe, Joe asked, can I buy another book? And I said, sure. And so yesterday, I mean, just the day before I'm taping this show, um, I was at another training um, for Hennepin County and, and Joe came and he bought my book as for his friends. And as I was inscribing that book, I watched as Joe threw down two $20 bills. And that's and and as he did that, he said, quote, that's to pay it forward, unquote, to other people. I was shocked, frankly. 
I mean, no one had ever bought, ever decided that they would just give me money to purchase in the future copies of my book for somebody who couldn't afford it, for people who might need my book but who could not afford it. And I asked Joe why. Why was he giving me 40 bucks, the cost of two books, and paying it forward to total strangers that have not even materialized yet? And I asked Joe why, and he said it was because I had inspired him. And I took that to mean that my words, my idealism, my words, my compassion for others had rippled to him. He said, use those 20, he said, use these 20s to give um, the book to two people who can afford it, who can't afford it, Joe said. And I was incredibly in touch by that. He made a special trip to come get my book again, to buy a, a copy, and then to give me two, the amount for two more books. So, Joe, if you are listening, I want you to understand how my rippling to you has rippled back to me, and now your rippling um, to me is going to ripple to others. So, listeners... Um, I want you to know that if there's one or if there are two of you out there who could benefit from reading my memoir about surviving the human condition and you can't afford the luxury of $20 to buy my book, let me know. Email me at lejkrug at gmail.com and I will get those books to you. I'll get a book to each of you. Now, I don't want to hear from people that are just trying to get a bargain, okay, get a free book. I mean, I'm looking for people who can't come up with $20 to buy my book that would be inscribed. Joe's generosity is paying it forward will make that happen. We all ripple to each other. We do. And my goal is that compassion and understanding for each other continues to ripple to others. And Joe, as I said, you inspired me. You did. So there you go, Joe. You're rippling on to other humans because you inspired me. How do you like that? Well, listeners, it's the end of another show. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the few transgender radio hosts in the world with Ellie 2.0 Radio and AM 950. If you like what you hear, email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. Tell others about the show. A big thanks to our sponsors, um, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center and outpatient recovery um, uh, center as well. And Brending Electrolysis. Tell Bev um, that I sent you. She does incredibly great work. She's in St. Paul, but worth the trip. And a big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, for all that you do for me, Brett. And listeners, thanks to you. We'll hear you next uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>